Inside the Groove is a podcast which takes a song by Madonna every episode and dissects its creative process, examining the songwriting, the production and the recording. By playing you the demos, the studio sessions and isolated tracks, including Madonna's vocals, sometimes along with previously unheard takes, we explain how Madonna has been behind some of the biggest moments in pop history over the past 40 years. Everybody was officially released on Sire Records, 6th of October 1982. It was actually launched two months later at Danceteria, the New York City club where Madonna's demo of the song had excited the crowds earlier that year. The song was Madonna's very first single. Although it got to number three in the US Dance Club singles listing, it otherwise failed to chart, even in the UK, where a special remix was issued to accompany Madonna's promo tour there. It could have been not just the start of her career, but the end of it, were it not for Madonna's fierce determination and self-belief, starting from the bottom up without the aid of reality TV or social media. Madonna had arrived in Manhattan just four years earlier with $35 and dreams of being a famous dancer. 39 years later, she is the richest female musician in the world, the inspiration and blueprint for all of today's pop stars, and she has achieved this all through her own force of will and hard work. Madonna became a star by taking every opportunity she could to promote herself and her music, from handing out flyers and records on the streets of Manhattan to playing countless gigs in clubs around New York City. She earned the right to become the most famous pop star in the world, and this song is where it all started. Everybody was raw, repetitive, unrefined, but it was also the template for a tried and tested format of songs which Madonna would return to time and again throughout her career. Songs about dancing and singing and a call to arms for the listener to follow her inspiration. Into the groove, vogue, music, celebration. Again and again, Madonna would create some of her biggest hits based on the format established with her very first single. I'll be explaining how she dropped out of dancing to become a musician, moving from drummer to singer, to having her own band, to teaming up with a former lover who would co-write some of the biggest songs of her career before teaming up with Danceteria DJ Mark Kamins, who would help secure that first record deal and produce the song. I'll play you the earliest demo of the song, which was first heard on the New York dance floors, along with details of the management deal that Madonna had in place as she strived to become a star. But Everybody was almost not the first single, and I'll be telling you the process by which it was selected and how it was recorded, along with details about the UK promo tour and unique remix created by club guru Rusty Egan. What better way to celebrate one year of podcasting on Inside the Groove as we draw to an end of the current series? So sit back. I know you've been waiting. As we go Inside the Groove. Hello, my name's Edward Russell. 
On 29th of March 2020, one year ago today, I sat down at my computer and recorded a podcast. I'd probably only listened to about three podcasts in my life at this point, but I was used to public speaking and to writing, so it was a case of putting my two skills together and discussing a subject I knew very well, the music of Madonna. Two days earlier had been the 30th anniversary of the release of Vogue, her seminal single and probably the one she will be most remembered for in years to come. I'd read a handful of articles and blog posts about the song in the previous days, but none were going into the detail that I already knew. They didn't mention the song's origins as a Janet Jackson remix, for example, or the use of Lucky Star. But, as a great mind once said, although no one is entirely sure who, writing about music is like dancing about architecture. And it is far better, of course, to let people hear what you're discussing. Well, within a day, my very first podcast had 100 listens. And by the end of that first week, a fortnight after the UK had gone into lockdown, this was up to 500. And this seemed quite low to me, but I was used to sort of the numbers that you see on YouTube. And I was assured that that was actually quite popular. So I continued. One year later, many episodes and songs have followed, and with a total of 270,000 downloads so far, Inside the Groove is currently the most popular artist-specific music podcast in the world. And that's not an opinion, that's a fact, according to Chartable, the industry-leading analytics website. And whilst I'm personally very happy about that, let's not forget something. Madonna, a 62-year-old woman from Michigan who signed her first record deal 39 years ago, is the subject of the highest trending artist-specific podcast in the world right now. Not Beyonce, or Drake, or Kanye West, not Elton John, or the Beatles, not Taylor Swift, or Lady Gaga. Madonna, forever relevant. Now, I described everybody as the template for many Madonna songs to come, but it's actually pretty much the blueprint for all of her work. Its rawness, its slight feeling of underproduction is something that listeners of this podcast will be aware that Madonna has deliberately inflicted upon her work. She's never wanted a West Coast sheen to her sound and has often worked with upcoming producers rather than the big names. She's been happy to record in dingy basement studios rather than expensive lavish ones. And her vocals have often been the very first take rather than laboring again and again to get it perfect. And whilst there's no overall fan consensus of what are Madonna's good songs and her not so good ones, it's certainly the times where she's worked with big names like Timberland or had overpolished productions such as the MDNA album that divides Madonna fans. It's not true to her roots. Maybe she's superstitious, or maybe she's just a really down-to-earth multi-millionaire, but Madonna always felt her most creative sitting on the floor with a pen and paper, scribbling out the first thing that comes to her, just as she did in the abandoned synagogue in Queens where she wrote her earliest songs. And the story of everybody is, of course, the story of how Madonna, the artist, came to be. And no one can tell that story better than she. Hopefully, we'll have to wait not too long for the movie to be made, but you probably all know that she was born in Bay City, Michigan in 1958, that she was a straight-A student who won a dance scholarship to the University of Michigan, and there she met an aspiring musician, Stephen Bray, and the pair were romantically involved for a while. But by this point, Madonna decided she wanted to be a famous dancer, so relocated to New York. Legend has it that she arrived in town with no friends and little no money, but the reality is probably less romantic, especially as her brother Chris was already living there by that point. However, that's the story she wants to give us. So she carried on taking dance classes and even worked as a backup dancer to other performers, including French disco chanteur Patrick Hernandez. 
Now, it was while she was touring with him that she met Dan Gilroy, and together with his brother Ed, they formed the band The Breakfast Club. Madonna was the drummer, but now she decided she wanted a career in music, and she let the dancing drop and soon forced her way to the front of the band. But Madonna wasn't happy being the occasional singer and wanted a permanent role. Recruiting Steve Bray, who'd now followed Madonna to Manhattan to take over the drums, she pushed to do more lead vocals. But it wasn't the Gilroy brothers' vision, so she and Bray quit to form their own band, Emmy and the Emmys. Now their music was, I guess, quite similar to Blondie in the late 1970s, and it's easy to see how Debbie Harry would be a huge influence on this impressionable aspiring singer. They signed a deal with Gotham Management, who funded the recording of a set of demos in the hope that the Emmys could get a record deal. And I'm going to play you one of the tracks now. This one is known as High Society. I really enjoy this. See what you think. Here we go. sound so good i sort of wish you would record stuff like that again her voice anyway madonna wanted more or rather she wanted less she wanted to be a solo singer there was a further set of demos recorded at this time with stephen bray producing and i'm going to save the details of that story for another episode about one of madonna's other early songs all you need to know is that we are now in true movie style jump cutting a few months and changing location Madonna was, as most people in their early 20s, out clubbing and partying whenever and wherever she could. Places such as the legendary Studio 54 and one of Madonna's favourite haunts was Danceteria. Danceteria was a multi-floor nightclub located in New York City which opened in 1979. It had various locations but the most famous was 30 West 21st Street in Manhattan. That's very near the Flatiron building, if you know the area at all. Uh, it also served as the location for the disco scene in the film Desperately Seeking Susan, so chances are you can get an idea of what it looked like inside. And it was probably dingy and grubby with sweat pouring off the walls, but if there was anywhere I could take a time machine to, it would be right there in the early 80s. Artist Keith Haring worked as a busboy, singer Sade worked behind the bar, all before they became famous, and of course, a regular on the dance floor was Madonna. It was now early 1982 and Madonna had a set of four songs that she recorded at the music building with Stephen Bray on a Tascam TX340 sound system. But as of the February, she no longer had a management deal after terminating her contract. However, everything would change and it would change at Danceteria. One of the DJs at the club was Mark Caymans, who was also the A&R representative for Island Records, who had famously signed U2. He had a reputation for breaking new artists and one day Madonna walked into his disco DJ booth and gave him a tape of her demo of a song called Everybody. He played it 
and the crowd enjoyed it. We've no idea how much they enjoyed it, but certainly enough to pique his interest. Here's what that demo sounded like. Okay. absolutely love that version it's really fantastic and you can see how people would have been interested in her from hearing that song but island records actually turned down mark Kamen's offer of signing madonna so instead he went to another place where he had a relationship Cy records specifically michael rosenblatt and you'll know his name from the episodes which talked about holiday and borderline Michael met Madonna at a Saturday night in Danceteria. He was actually there with George Michael and Andrew Ridgely from Wham, who had recently signed Desire in the US. And that's when he was introduced to what would become the most famous person in the world. And by the Monday morning, he would have signed Madonna to a two-track, 12-inch single deal. $15,000. This was an advance, and it was also the amount that she had to use to pay to record the song. As for who was to produce it, well, Stephen Bray was shunned when Madonna chose instead to record the song with Mark Kamins. Ain't No Big Deal and Everybody were recorded in April 1982 at Bob Blank's tape recording studios in the same neighbourhood as Danceteria. It was an old loft building with three main studios including an overdub room, a live room and a more state-of-the-art recording facility. Although Mark Kamen's name is down as producer of the record, it's a bit more vague who was the actual producer of Everybody, with the name Barry Eastman also being included. He certainly did an early arrangement which was much more R&B and slick sounding. This wasn't the right route as far as Mark Kamen's was concerned, who obviously knew what would work on a dance floor. After referring to Michael Rosenblatt, Kamen's kind of took over, erased Barry's keyboard parts and brought in a new keyboardist, Fred Sarr, who would go on to work on the whole of Madonna's first album. And unlike that original demo I played you earlier, he used a live drummer in the sessions, which gave a more gritty feel. That drummer was called Leslie Ming, and there was also a bass guitarist, Wayne Braithwaite, but the song is punctuated by just gorgeous sounding synth riffs, and they all come from Fred Zarr. Now, there's loads more to tell you about this song and what happened next, but this is the point where I'm actually gonna play through the multi-track now, fading up bits and parts of the song so you can hear how it was put together, including Madonna's vocals, which are just incredibly raw and wonderful to listen to. So here we are, everybody, run through from the multi-track tape in its original 1982 form. Don't erase the talking part. So there we have the live drums. 
There's some synth hand claps and also some white noise. Yeah. I know you wanna get up. Yeah. I know you've been waiting. Come on. And that's the live bass guitar. Also a synth bass played on a Moog. Rhodes piano, we've heard that before. One of Fred's little synth riffs. drums again now. It's pretty much all the backing track here. Let's cut some out. Everybody, and Madonna's vocals. Okay, now the second verse. The drums are on two tracks, with the hi-hat and the snare separately, but there's no separation on the kick. So in the final track, that's all done with EQ. Let's highlight those synths again. hear the guitar in there as well. Madonna famously told the guitarist on the track that she didn't like guitarists. Okay, bringing the drums back. the famous bit from Madonna. Her vocals are double tracked here so you're hearing two of her singing. Let's just hear her vocals on their own. some synths back. Moog bass. Everybody, get up and do your thing. Everybody, come on, dance and sing. Everybody, get up and do your thing. Okay, bringing the track back. You can hear how different it sounds from the release version, just because it's not properly mixed or mastered.
isolate some things again. Well, of course, it's no big surprise that Ain't No Big Deal wasn't chosen as the A-side. Instead, they went with Everybody, which clearly was going to work really well on the dance floor. And indeed, it was released as a 12-inch single in the October of 1982 and would slowly rise in the dance club charts. However, strangely, considering just how beautiful she was, they didn't put a picture of Madonna on the front cover. She'd had a photo taken by her friend, Linda Alanis, but instead they opted for a collage image of downtown New York City, which was done by a Michigan-raised illustrator, Lou Beach. The idea behind this was to hold back Madonna's image because it was so stunning, so penetrating, it could be used for the next single. But allegedly, it actually led people to believe that Madonna may be black. Although this idea was short-lived when Madonna started to do a range of PAs in the clubs across New York. And whereas previously she might have earned $250, she was now earning $2,500. But club dates aside, Madonna realised that she needed a far wider impact if the single was to be a success. However, the policy at Warner Brothers was that they didn't promote an artist unless there was an album deal in place. Of course, for Madonna, it was just a singles deal. However, Madonna refused to hear the word no and persuaded them to allow her to record a video for everybody. And it was actually shot in another legendary New York nightclub, The Paradise Garage. Everybody peaked at number three in the dance charts in January 1983, but that wasn't the end of the story for the single. In March, Sire Records sent her on her first promo tour, this time to the UK. There she played a handful of clubs, singing, of course, everybody. But it was a disaster, especially the night at Camden Palace, a club night run by Steve Strange and Rusty Egan, who had years earlier formed the Bowie Night, which turned into the Blitz Club, which of course spawned the whole new romantic scene. Rusty was known to Seymour Stein, the CEO of Sire Records, having brought them Soft Cell. And he was asked to do a remix of Everybody to make it more palatable for the UK nightclubs. He got to meet Madonna at Danzatira along with Mark Kamens and agreed to book her. Seymour had sent him the master multi-track tape and Rusty had done his own mix which he wanted Madonna to perform when she was at his club. However, she refused. She said she didn't like the mix. In fact, she called him a lousy DJ when she was on stage. Later, she saw him backstage and said that she'd meant every word. These days, well, Rusty feels okay about it. I spoke to him just a few days ago. He said he got his name on a Madonna mix and he helped launch her career, so I guess he was happy. But let me play you a bit of his version, which, as I said, I genuinely think is a bit beefier sounding and a bit more finished. What do you think? Madonna, of course, would go on to have bigger hits. She'd record her debut album, she'd have success with Holiday, Lucky Star, Borderline, and the rest is history. And of course, you've probably been following it for the past year on this podcast. There are still many songs to play and lots of stories to tell. But I'm taking a break from this podcast for a very short while. 
I'm going to take five or six weeks off to recharge my batteries so I can come back and carry on telling you all the stories behind Madonna's songs. If you're a patron, please carry on supporting. I'm going to be doing the odd episode, including quizzes and a look at some of the live versions of Madonna songs, including, of course, everybody. I'll be doing that one very soon. And I will be paying special attention to the version of everybody that Madonna did on the Confessions promo tour in 2005. In a rare move, she was quite happy to reference her past. My whole career started out with 12 inches. Some girls have all the luck, she said to the audience at the Roxy, New York City, 23rd of October 2005, on that promo tour. She performed a new version of Everybody, which had been reworked by Stuart Price, and it's really good, so I'm going to play you out with that. But I'll be back in May with Series 3, and the first episode will focus on Hollywood, the song from American Life. And I have a story about being face-to-face, eye-to-eye, with Madonna in the BBC. In the meantime, I'll play you out with the studio version of the Confessions promo tour version of Everybody. Be good, stay safe, and we'll dance and sing together soon. Let the DJ 